Welcome to our once a week podcast entitled What's in a Hymn. It reflects on some of the hymns that God's people have sung for generations. Today we reflect on the hymn Eternal Father, Strong to Save. This hymn was written in 1860 by William Whiting. It is known by many as the Navy Hymn. At the age of 35, Whiting had felt his life saved by God when a fierce storm nearly destroyed the ship he was travelling on. Some years later, when he was headmaster of the Winchester College Chorister School, he was approached by a student about to travel to the United States, who expressed a tremendous fear of crossing the ocean. Whiting shared his experience, prayed for him, and then said, Before you depart, I will give you something to anchor your faith. So he put pen to paper and wrote these words, reminding the student of God's power over the mighty oceans and seas. It is generally believed that he was inspired by Psalm 107, verses 23 to 32, which describes the power and danger of the sea and God's promised deliverance. When we look at the hymn, we see that it has a Trinitarian structure. Verse 1 addresses God the Father. And the emphasis of the verse is on the Father's creation and control of the sea. Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep, its own appointed limits keep. Here is surely an echo of Job chapter 38, verses 10 and 11, where God says concerning the sea, When I fix my limit for it, and set bars and doors, when I said, This far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop. Verse 2 addresses God the Son, and the emphasis here is on Jesus' control over the sea, as seen in the Gospels. For example, Mark chapter 4, when Jesus and his disciples are caught in a sudden storm on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus rebuked the wind and calmed the sea. And Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus walks on the stormy Sea of Galilee to the fearful disciples. O Christ, whose voice the waters heard, and hush their raging at thy word, who walks on the foaming deep, and calm amidst the storm did sleep. Verse 3 addresses the Holy Spirit, and the emphasis here is on the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. O Holy Spirit, who didst brood upon the chaos dark and rude, and bid its angry tumult cease, and give for wild confusion peace. So the first three verses show the Trinity's control over the sea and its storms. And so in verse 4, the three persons of the Trinity are addressed for help for those travelling on the sea. O Trinity of love and power, our brethren shield in danger's hour. From rock and tempest, fire and foe, protect them wheresoe'er they go. This, of course, has been the prayer at the end of verses 1 to 3 of the hymn. 
O hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. At the end of the section about the rescue of those caught in the storm at sea in Psalm 107, there are these words in verse 31. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 4 of the hymn ends by echoing that same theme. Thus evermore shall rise to thee glad hymns of praise from land and sea. I don't think it's too much of a stretch of the imagination to see in verse 4 echoes of Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2. God says, when you pass through the waters I will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. For none of us escapes the storms and tempests of life. This hymn offers comfort to us and helps us in the words of Whiting to anchor our faith. It anchors our faith in the triune God who is our help, our deliverance, when the winds and waves of the storms in our lives threaten to overwhelm us. And when God has delivered us, then let us give him thanks for his goodness. Amen. <laughs>